0: It's good to be with you again. I know many of our church family are traveling, and there may be some of you here today that have traveled to Murfreesboro, and we're delighted to have you worshiping with us. Uh, throughout this season of Advent, we've been looking at the Christmas story through the Serenity Prayer. The Serenity Prayer was actually written by an American theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr, as a part of a sermon that he was writing. And uh, as people who are going through recovery and involved in recovery groups became aware of the prayer, they adopted the prayer, and it has become synonymous with most of the 12-step recovery groups that exist in the world today. And so we began in the first week of Advent by looking at the first line of the serenity prayer, which is, God grant me the serenity to accept. The things that I cannot change. And we likened that line of the prayer to Mary when she was told that she was going to be the mother of the Christ. She said, Let it be as you have said. She accepted that reality um, and it made a difference in her life. And then in the second week, we looked at Joseph and we talked about Joseph modeled for us what it looks like to have the courage to change the things that we can. Because Joseph had decided that he was going to divorce and dismiss Mary quietly after he found out that she was pregnant with child and after he knew that the child was not his child. And that an angel visited Joseph and told him to take Mary as his wife. And Joseph had the courage to do that. And then last week we looked at the Magi, and, and they seemed to model for us the wisdom to know the difference. They were uh, following this star, uh, believing that it would lead them to the Christ, and and they found Herod, and Herod said, tell you what, when you find the child, let me know so that I could go and worship the child too. And, and somehow they had the wisdom to know that that was not what they should do. And so they chose to go home a different way. And so having that wisdom to know what to do is important. Let's begin by praying this prayer today again. And then uh, we'll look at uh, the line that's about surrendering to God's will. Would you join me? Let's pray the full serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that You will make all things right if I surrender to Your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with You forever in the next. Amen. Uh, I may have shared this with some of you before. Uh, One of the great things about my mind is that I don't remember, you know. I I, I ask people sometimes, well, why don't you laugh at my jokes anymore like you used to? And they say, because we've heard them all a thousand times before. So I know that I've shared this story with some of you, but I want to share with you a story about um, an experience I had that really changed my life. Um, I was a pastor of a church church. And this uh, guy named Lance, who was a member of our church, um, came to me and wanted to go on the walk to Emmaus. And the walk to Emmaus is this 72-hour journey where you just kind of learn more about God's grace and God's peace and God's mercy in your life. It, it's not a literal, physical walk. It's, it's more of a figurative walking alongside Jesus for a period of seventy-two hours, there was only one problem with Lance wanting to go on the walk to Emmaus, and that was that Lance uh, never could even stay in an hour worship service. He would he would get up and he would end up leaving. and And you might be saying, "Well, yeah, I've heard you preach. I know why he left." and 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 I would say to you that I considered that. It might be because the preaching was so bad that that Lance just couldn't sit through an entire hour of worship. But the real reason why Lance couldn't stay in worship for an entire hour is because he was an addict. He He was so high. And then he'd come to church and he'd start to freak out. And so inevitably he would just leave. Well, now all of a sudden Lance is coming to me and he wants to go on this walk to Emmaus where he's going to be gone for 72 hours, three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back home on Sunday. And in order to go on the walk to Emmaus, you have to have the pastor to sign off on it. And so I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, here's a guy that I know he can't even stay in worship for an hour without freaking out. And now he wants to go and spend a whole weekend on this spiritual retreat. And, and so I began to ask some other uh, people that had been on the walk to Emmaus, do you think I should sign this form for Lance to go on the walk to Emmaus? And they said, you're out of your mind if you sign that form. I mean, if you sign that form, he's just going to go, and he's either going to be high or he's going to get high while he's there, and he's just going to ruin it for everybody else. It's just going to end up being this horrible, horrible failure. And yet, I just felt like the Holy Spirit kept convicting me to sign that piece of paper. And so I did. If you remember me telling the story on that Thursday night when Lance showed up to the walk to Emmaus, he was high as a kite. He was out of his mind. He was high and Tommy was low because I knew what was going to happen. He was going to ruin it for everybody. It was going to be miserable. He'd have to leave, or other people would leave because he wouldn't leave. It just wasn't going to turn out well at all. And yet, when I went back on Sunday afternoon to pick up the people that we had sent on this walk to Emmaus, it didn't take me long to realize that Lance had had an experience that weekend that had changed his life. He had been exposed to the words of Jesus over those 72 hours. And the words of Jesus uh, do two things that are really helpful to us as human beings. The words of Jesus comfort and the words of Jesus challenge. And he spent 72 hours being comforted by the words of Christ and being challenged by the words of Christ. Christ. And I'm proud to tell you that he's doing amazing things for God today. And uh, uh, my hope is, is that maybe he'll even be able to be here for the late service today. I wanted him to know that I was sharing his story again about what God has done in his life. You know, most of us approach church the same way that I was considering, approaching, signing that form on the walk to Emmaus, my initial thought was, I need to wait till Lance is clean before I let him go on the walk to Emmaus. And then once he's clean, I'll send him on the walk to Emmaus and it'll it'll be helpful to him. And yet, what happened was, is that Lance showed up just like he'd always been, deep in the throes of addiction, And he came as he was, but he had the goal of leaving differently. He had the goal of being changed as a result. So he came as he was, but he had the goal of leaving differently. Um, Something else I want to note is that Lance had tried to get clean over and over and over again, but he'd always tried to do it alone, he'd always tried to do it in isolation. But he'd reached that place in his life where he realized that he couldn't live with drugs. But he also didn't think he could live without them either. And so he went. And what Emmaus and now the 12-step program has helped Lance and so many others like him understand is that I can't do this alone that there are certain things in life that we are powerless over. That there are certain things that we just cannot change, and we just need the serenity to accept those things. And there are certain other things that we can change, we just need the courage to do it. But we also need to be reminded that many times we cannot do it alone. So what happened is that Lance was able to surrender. He was able to surrender that he really was powerless over his addiction and that he had no hope of changing if he continued to try to do it by himself. He was willing to surrender uh, this life that he'd been living. Um, He was willing to surrender um, that He needed to clean his life up first before he sought God. And he became willing to seek God so that his life might then be cleaned up. What he told me about his experience after he joined AA is he was surprised at how many people would show up drunk to AA. And when he showed up drunk to AA, they treated those people like he... Experienced at Emmaus. Come in just as you are. But have the goal of being different when you leave. Being different tomorrow than you were today. Lance talked about all the places he'd been thrown out of in his life. (laughs) Bars and homes and everything else. But he wasn't thrown out of Emmaus. And he wasn't thrown out of AA. And so he surrendered. He surrendered to the reality that he was dying physically if he didn't stop abusing drugs, that he was dying spiritually, and that he was dying emotionally. One of the things that I often hear some of my friends in recovery talk about is the difference between the basement and the sanctuary. You know, a lot of AA groups, a lot of recovery groups take place in the basement of churches. And so um, they're so amazed. A lot of these people have never even been in a church before and they're afraid of what they might find when they walk into the church basement. And so they walk into this AA group and they find people that accept them just the way that they are. They accept people that love them and embrace them. And encourage them to be completely vulnerable and transparent and honest. In fact, in the basement, in recovery groups, they've realized something that we in the church would do well to realize ourselves. They've realized that if I'm not completely transparent, if I'm not completely vulnerable, if I'm not completely honest to what my addiction is doing to me and to those around me, I'm going to die. But so often, the people in the sanctuary view life differently. The people in the sanctuary are afraid if they're completely honest about what's going on in their lives. If they're completely transparent, if they're completely vulnerable, they will die. The folks in the basement know that they'll die if they don't surrender their life and just acknowledge it for what it is and to seek help. And so many of us in the sanctuary are afraid that we will die if we give voice to the fears and the anxieties and the addictions and the struggles that we're wrestling with every single day? What if we had a space here in this sanctuary where when people were that vulnerable and transparent that they would feel a loving embrace, that they would be accepted just as they are, that they would know what it means to be loved by us and loved by God. For the reason of this season is, is that God so loved the world that God sent God's Son to save and redeem and restore. Text that we read this morning talks about how that Jesus was willing to give up his place beside God in glory, to surrender to the plan that God had for him, to come to earth, to make himself so vulnerable. To be born as a child. To make himself vulnerable to the same uh, perils that the world puts on us, those perils Jesus encountered in his life. He became vulnerable even to death on a cross. He encountered the world as it was, a world that was not full of peace. And somehow sensed that through the violence of his death that it could be a pathway to peace. He surrendered himself to God's will so that we might know the depth of God's great love. It's a love that can continue to restore. It's a love that desires to redeem. It's a love that longs to make all things right. It's a love that can work in this world as we know it today. It is a love that can bring about the truest pathway to peace that the world has ever known. And it begins... When we surrender, when we say that I cannot live this world on my own, that I cannot make the changes in my life that I need to make on my own. It's a love that says you don't have to fix your life before you come to me. It's a love that says come to me and I can help fix your life. That's why Christ came. Christmas. And it's a love that it's known in its fullest sense when we begin with surrendering our will and seek to follow God's. To allow God to help. To allow God to heal. And one of the ways that God does that is through the community of faith. A faith community like the one gathered here today. Would you pray with me? Lord, so often we act like that we've got it all together, that somehow that improving our lot in life is totally dependent upon what we do or what we don't do. the invitation that you extend to us today is that what you long for is us just to surrender to you. To feel your loving embrace. To come to you as we are. And as we do, O God, May the words of the serenity prayer give us hope. Let's pray that serenity prayer together again. It'll be printed on the screen. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time,